Hi, everybody. A quick message before we begin today's podcast. We have just released a free mini training called How to Work with Labor Pain to Have a Positive Birth Experience. Stay tuned for the end of the episode for more information. Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. So today in this episode, we're going to be talking about, you know, weight expectations postpartum and then like eating with the family. My guest today is Maya. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So let's I I like to start off at this point with all of my guests, which is like, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. So my name is Maya Alawalia. I'm a registered dietitian from Ontario. Um, I practice 100% virtually and my practice primarily focuses in working from with families and women from preconception during pregnancy and then postpartum um, into introducing solids and picky eating. So I kind of work with families along that whole journey of, you know, preconception to raising their kids. Um, and I'm there to support them along the way. Amazing. What, what made you decide to go into your line of work? Yeah. So it's kind of funny. I always had a passion for health and nutrition, and I actually wanted to be a dentist growing up. Um, and I had a friend who I had already applied to like all the science programs around here. And, um, like I said, I was planning to get like a bachelor's of science and go into dentistry. And then my friend was like, Hey, they have this nutrition program at the university of Guelph. Um, and then I just kind of like last minute applied to it. And I was like, you know what, I can study nutrition, still get a bachelor's of science and take all those extra courses that I need to, to go on to dentistry. Um, and then I walked into my class and like literally everyone around me wanted to be a dietitian. And I never heard of a dietitian in my life. Um, but little did I know my program is like very specific. There's only three in Ontario and they're specifically designed to be a registered dietitian. Um, so I thought it was just really cool to learn that I could actually educate and support families in nutrition, um, and do something that I loved. So that kind of like helped me pivot my path. And it's been really great in terms of, um, you know, I love what I do and there's a lot of different areas that dietitians work in, but I really feel like private practice was where my spot was. Awesome. I I always like to hear how, like, you know, people's stories weave into like where they, where they end up. Um, so what I'm curious about is because you sort of said nutrition and I know there's like nutritionists and then there's a dietitian, and I'm just curious. And I'm sure our listeners are probably curious about like, what are some of the differences or are they the same thing? Um, maybe you could clarify that for us. 
Yeah. I always really like clarifying this because there is a difference and especially in Ontario or in Canada, um, as registered dietitians, we're part of a regulatory body. So I'm part of the college of dietitians of Ontario. Um, and so I have like a license number, which is billable to insurance companies, Whereas a nutritionist here in Canada is not a protected title. So really anyone can call themselves a nutritionist without having any education to back it up, um, which I think is just really important for, you know, listeners to know just because if you are searching for someone to support you, whether it's, you know, postpartum or any journey in life, um, I think a lot of it is like, you know, weight centric. So weight loss, even being part of the primary things, there's a lot of different like diets and cleanses and all of this stuff that's not always evidence-based. So really one, knowing that you're working with an evidence-based practitioner, I think is really important. Um, but then also making sure that, um, you know, whatever recommendations you're, you're being told are sustainable as well. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that just, uh, cause I'm sure you know, people hear the two terms and likely think that they're inter interchangeable, right? Yeah. And even like dietitian, a lot of people think of dietitian as putting people on diets, right? Which is literally the opposite of what I do. Um, so I think also sometimes people actually go searching for a nutritionist just because it sounds gentler, I find. Um, but it's good to know the distinction for sure. Okay. So then on that, on that note, can you talk a little bit more about dietitian? Because if people are thinking, oh, dietitian means diet, what is it that you guys actually do? Yeah. So in terms of myself and my practice, um, I have a fellow dietitian on my team as well, Annika, and we both have a very weight inclusive practice. So what that means is that um, we stay away from, you know, focusing on weight loss or a number on a scale and really focus on helping our clients achieve what they're actually trying to achieve in terms of whether it's like, you know, improving their energy or decreasing their reflux or making sure they're nourishing themselves during pregnancy or supporting their kid in like eating well. I think that a lot of people come to us and think that like they, most people will say, even if their goal isn't weight loss or weight gain, they'll always put that in there thinking that that's like what we do. Right. But often there's underlying things that people are trying to achieve. Like I said, you know, they just want to improve energy and feel better about themselves or improve their confidence and self-image. And those are all things that we do in our practice um, in terms of we have like one-on-one counseling. We also are launching a group program, which I can share a little bit more with later on. Um, in this episode, but it's a lot more than just what we're eating. It's how we're eating our relationship with food. Um, and a lot of it comes down to like nutrition therapy as well. Um, so that's where like working one-on-one, we can really dive deeper and discover and uncover all of these, you know, underlying things that may impact our relationship with food and our eating habits. Okay. Do because again, I'm trying to think of I haven't worked with a dietitian, so I'm trying to think of questions people would ask, which Mm -hmm. is like, okay, so is it just that you are going to recommend like I eat these items? Like, are there, do you provide like meal plans or do you do any kind of supplementation or any kind of advice around that piece? Um, 
Yeah. So as dietitians, we are trained to analyze blood work and we can make recommendations around supplementation as well. Um, so often, you know, I do do a lot of education on like good quality vitamins and minerals. So making sure, you know, my clients aren't just picking up like the over the counter kind of shoppers drug mart brands and, and educating them on the difference between those. Um, and then in certain dosages, I can make recommendations for supplements as well. We don't do any prescribing, um, but we are trained as well in terms of, you know, often dietitians are trained to work with medical doctors. So we're trained on all the medications that are out there and kind of the, um, you know, nutrition interactions or supplemental interactions or deficiencies that can result from those. Um, so that's kind of like the supplement and medication aspect of things in terms of actually the nutrition based food recommendations. Um, in, in terms of kind of like some of the recommendations I make, again, it's really like discovering what's sustainable for people. So I look at what they're currently eating, what their lifestyle looks like, you know, do they have kids? Do they have a partner? Are they living alone? Because all of that plays a role in, you know, creating this plan with my clients, as opposed to just giving them something and saying, hey, this is what you need to follow. Because again, my whole mission is to really help my clients um, you know, grow in the process of working together, as opposed to being like told, this is what you have to do. And then just, you know, doing it for a couple of weeks and then falling off and having no reasoning behind that. Right. So, um, I really do lead with education and I, I support my clients in like their growth and development in their health and wellness journey. And sometimes again, nutrition and actually giving dietary recommendations is a couple sessions in because we're really working on like discovering and uncovering like our relationship with food and what are maybe the underlying reasons why we're pursuing weight loss or why we are pursuing, um, you know, wanting to be in this thinner body. Right. Um, you know, diet culture like perpetuates so much nowadays. And so it's a lot of people's reasoning behind wanting to make changes aren't internal. It's often external. So really, discovering that. And then, you know, after we get there, then that's where we can bring in that gentle nutrition. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that, uh, piece. So let's hop into, uh, postpartum because there's a lot, like you said, there's like diet culture, there's bounce back culture. There's all kinds of stuff that's like wrapped into, you know, postpartum recovery. And so I really want to sort of get your perspective on, you know, weight, I guess, expectations during postpartum and like, how can we eat well and not stress about like perfection at the same time? Yeah. Um, so one, I'll preface this conversation with saying I'm not a mom and I have never given birth to a child. So um, you know, that's obviously something to take into consideration, but I do work with a lot of clients from pre- like during pregnancy, postpartum. Um, and I definitely have that. I hear very commonly, you know, that idea of like, I want to bounce back. Or I want to get my body back to like where it was. Um, so with that being said, you know, the first thing I always say is that like your body birthed a child, it's never going back. Cause you're not going to reverse that process. Right. Um, so that doesn't mean that your 
body can't, you know, recover and that you can't get back to, you know, maybe where you want it to be or where you do want to go. But at the same time, you're never going to go back to, you know, where you originally were. You birthed a child um, for, and held that child for nine months. Like your body is forever changing or forever changed. Um, but in terms of that, there's definitely ways that we can fuel ourselves rather than focusing just on like that number on the scale and how we can feel better about our relationship with food. Cause I think we can all agree, like when we move our body, when we eat well, when we feel energy, we feel better about ourselves and the body that we're in, regardless of what it looks like when we look in the mirror. Right. So that's where I really try to pivot my practice and working with, you know, specifically postpartum moms, um, is, you know, how can we get ourselves feeling back in terms of that energy, especially with breastfeeding moms, we really want to make sure that we're getting enough energy to not only fuel ourselves, but also the energy needed to breastfeed as well. Like that, um, takes a lot of energy out of us. So, you know, not only do we focus on diet in that aspect, but making sure that we're still taking a good quality prenatal vitamin and getting all those vitamins and minerals in that as well. Yeah, I would definitely agree that, you know, being a mom, yeah, you know, it's, you don't, you don't, there is no going back. There's moving forward to optimize the way we want to feel about ourselves, but we're like rebuilding in a new, we're, we're building in a new way. And so sometimes that requires time. Sometimes that requires some um, assistance in like, how do I manage all of these new things? Because I don't have any experience per se. And my hormones are doing all these things and, you know, the, the demands of raising, you know, a newborn toddler child is so different than the type of demands than pre-children, right? Like our bodies were very different and had different capabilities. So I think it's important for us to think about like, rather than bouncing back, let's talk about like moving forward. Can we make that like a new hashtag? I don't know. Um, But really like the body is going to be different And so I think having the right type of support that gives you the right messaging of like, you can be very fit, you can do all the things you want to do, but you're doing it in a new way. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I love that you said the moving forward thing. Cause I think that again, like, doesn't mean that you're losing yourself. That doesn't mean you're losing your body. That doesn't mean you're losing your health, but you have a child now, right. And your life is forever changed. So how can we now live with this in a way that we feel happy about doing that? Yeah. And yeah, like there's so, again, so much more demand. Like if you're not sleeping well, you know, not having, um, good nutrition coming in, not being able to move around because maybe there's some extenuating circumstances and schedules. And maybe if you have multiple children that adds in a whole new, whole new mixture, but you know, it's the gut is a very important thing that feeds a lot of information up to the brain. So if our gut is feeling really unhappy, I'm pretty sure your mood and how you feel about yourself is going to be very unhappy. Right. So if you can improve your gut brain, interaction, 
that actually can improve your mood and how you feel about yourself too. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, there's this paper I was reading that showed that for those who have like IBS or, um, you know, any digestive issues that doing yoga practices actually is just as efficient as what we call the FODMAP diet, which is a, it's not restrictive because you reintroduce eventually, but it's quite a lengthy process of elimination, then reintroduction, just to kind of discover what are triggers for you. But there's actually research to show that doing yoga can actually have the exact same benefit. So again, really like that, you know, um, gut brain interaction and, and as a postpartum mom, like having that time to like take deep breaths and like relax and take care of yourself. Um, and that's where like, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, we get into that like therapeutic aspect of care and it's not just about what we're eating, but it's like, are you actually spending time like to sit down, eat by yourself or eat without distractions? Um, and like being able to chew your food, right? Like that's something that a lot of moms I'm sure like listening or, um, you know, as they had young kids too, can say, or maybe even yourself, like can say that they didn't even always get that time. Right. So, you know, making sure that you're advocating for yourself, um, so like having that support, you know, if possible and advocating for that, I think is really important. 100%. Yeah. I, I you know, like, great baby shower gifts are like uh, putting aside perhaps some money for like postpartum doulas, you know, or, you know, setting up to make sure that there's like a good support system that that is sort of spread out a a little bit over time um, can be, can make huge, huge, huge difference. Like even just once a week, having somebody come in, watch the kids for, you know, an hour. So you can like, have a bath or like go read a book or something. You know what I mean? I know it sounds silly, but it's so important that we get a couple bits of time to just be with ourselves. Cause often we don't realize that there's a little bit of a grieving process too. Like, cause we were talking about like, I want my body back. I want to be, well, we're moving forward. Right. So now it's like, we're moving from maiden to mother and that definition, like the, the whole thing, it changes, right? So we, that's why they probably call it a rite of passage, right? We're passing through and into a whole new aspect of life. And there's a bit of a grieving process that like we're leaving behind aspects of ourselves and then we're growing into these yeah. new aspects. And that takes a little bit of time to just even process through. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's such a great idea in terms of like you said, the money towards like a doula and having that care. And I think there's nothing to be ashamed of. I think, you know, especially now a days, there's a lot of like, you know, women independence and I'm all for that, but I think like having that support and, um, you know, whether it's like a doula or asking your partner or family members to support you in that. And then also like, even myself, there's ways that I can support in like during pregnancy, let's talk about, you know, some freezer items that we can like pre-prep. And then at least that's us supporting ourselves in that postpartum where we don't always have the energy or time to, you know, make those fresh meals. Right. Um, 
And that allows you to actually feel better. Cause like you said, the sleep deprivation, the, you know, birthing a child, whether it's vaginal or C-section, it's all trauma to our body. Right. And we need to heal mentally and physically and taking that time to have that self-care while also like being sleep deprived, like you said, is not only impacting our hormone levels, it's impacting everything. Right. So, um, there's a lot of little things that we can do that can help us, you know, from in that healing and and moving forward and growing. So my next question is centered around energy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because there's a lot of things that may be going on. I may not have time to put together food. Maybe I don't have support. So I'm going to go and I'm going to grab a muffin or I'm going to grab something super high sugar carbohydrate because I need this like immediate burst of energy. You know, what are some alternatives or some tips if I'm finding myself in that situation that I can still get the energy I need, but like feel good about the choice that I've also made. Yeah. So, um, I guess the first thing that I always say is that, you know, whether again, like you did vaginal birth or had a C-section, like your body needs to heal, you need energy to kind of recover from that. And then if you are a breastfeeding mom too, that requires more energy too. So, Um, It's really important that we're getting adequate intake. And that's something that I think is like the most basic thing, but sometimes so hard to achieve. Um, So I think, you know, in my practice, the first thing I always start with is adequacy and just making sure that we're getting enough energy throughout the day, because if you're not adequately nourished, then there's going to be a lot of, you know, macronutrient, micronutrient deficiencies that come with it. Then there's like lack of energy. And especially if we're going long periods of time without eating, then there's like, you know, the hormones and the blood sugar dysregulation, which is just going to turn our mood off as well. So I think starting with that is really important. Um, When we talk about, you know, even just getting those like small snacks in throughout the day, um, like you said, carbohydrate rich items are something that a lot of us gravitate to. And I think, um, again, that comes back to like hormone health as well. And you know, when we're sleep deprived, we're more likely to feel that hunger and we gravitate towards, um, comfort foods, which often are carbohydrate rich foods. But I think my big, biggest thing to kind of take away in terms of like a tip is always pairing a fiber rich item with a protein or a healthy fat. So when you go to grab something like that muffin, pick the, you know, whole grain brand muffin. So at least we're getting that fiber in there. Nothing wrong with having carbohydrates. We need that for energy, but then pair that with something like a nut butter or some nuts or, um, you know, something that you can pair that gives you that like fat or that protein as well. So it's going to also help with recovery. It's going to help with energy, but then you're still going to have that balance in terms of like your blood sugars as well. And it's going to sustain you because our proteins and fats digest slower in our body. So it's not going to just give you that, you know, quick energy. It will give you that energy. And then you're sustaining that energy till you get that next item. Um, some other options that I like is like a hummus and crackers or hummus and veggies. Um, so you can do like even a little mini board for yourself. If you don't have time to make, you know, a full on meal, Um, you can do like a Greek yogurt with berries as another example. Um, another one I really like doing that's really easy is like a tortilla, like a whole wheat tortilla with nut butter. And then you could put banana or, or 
um, strawberries in there. And then I like sprinkling like hemp seeds and chia seeds. You can roll it up and literally like eat that on the go. Um, so those are all like easy things to kind of grab and go. And I also do have like a postpartum snack guide as well on my website available for only $10 Canadian. Um, so that's something it has over like 25 recipes. It also has easy items like, you know, healthy, balanced, lower sugar, high protein, um, granola bars out there or different other like grab and go items that you can just pick up from the grocery store. If you don't always have time to make things fresh and there's nothing wrong with cutting corners to get that balance. I think a lot of women or just people in general feel like the only definition of being healthy is like making every single thing from scratch, um, and never like, you know, cutting those corners. But if that's what helps you make those balanced meals or get that step closer to where we need to get or want to get, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. So it's just picking the right item. Yeah. Like picking up a whole roasted chicken. Like there is nothing wrong with doing that. If you don't have the time to like cook a protein, I'd rather you do that than make a salad with no meat or no protein in that salad. Cause like you're going to be full for 30 minutes and then you're going to be starving again. Right. So, um, there's nothing wrong with doing that. And that's where, again, like working with someone like myself can help you pick those items that, um, you know, you, that can support you in getting there, but, you're not replacing that with like those, um, you know, processed foods and things like that. When we talk about breastfeeding and postpartum, like, is there like, just generally speaking, like, is there anything that's like important for us, like to be eating that we haven't sort of talked about? Like I obviously protein, healthy fats, Mm -hmm. fiber, um, Yeah. So I think again, with like postpartum and breastfeeding, um, I think it all depends on like, you know, where you are in that journey of breastfeeding. Like, are you, have you just given birth? Are you eight months into it? But regardless, like you're, you're going to have increased energy needs because a lot of your energy is going to breastfeeding. Um, so typically I like to say, you know, what you felt like you ate in your third trimester is what ideally or around that you're probably going to still consume while breastfeeding. But again, always going off of like hunger and fullness cues. So I think, you know, the biggest mistake we make is like ignoring our hunger um, and thinking in our head, like, oh, I shouldn't be eating right now. Like, well, how could I possibly be hungry? Right. But then using that as like, okay, now I'm hungry. What am I choosing to eat? Right. And then using that as an opportunity to like, okay, now I can have that balance. And if I need to eat something every two to three hours, like there's nothing wrong with that. Cause that's my body giving me those cues that I need to eat. Um, so rather than focusing on like the calories that you need to have more of kind of thing, I would say it's about like making sure you're having those like smaller, more frequent meals throughout the day, listening to those hunger cues. Um, hydrating is so important as well. Um, because again, you know, we're, we're giving baby a lot of those, um, fluids that we are consuming. So if we're not drinking and rehydrating, we're going to feel that lack of energy and, um, it's going to impact our body regulation, our hormones and everything too. Okay. So let's chat about like, okay, kids get a little bit older. Now it's uh, time for cooking for the family. 
but kids, you know, they don't, their palate is a little bit different than our palate. So, you know, one of the things like I would think about when making meals is like, okay, I'm not cooking four different meals. I'm cooking one. How do I choose right items that, you know, my daughter is going to eat, but that like we can enjoy too. So any tips on like how to navigate like family eating time and like meals? Yeah. So I think it all starts really from a young age when we start introducing solids and, and how we kind of structure that. Um, you know, really the one thing I say is even by like one and a half to two years of age, like your child should be eating everything that you're eating. And that means that, you know, even the spices and the seasonings and things like that, your child can eat. So even as you begin to introduce solids, I think like parents are often scared to like season kids food, but there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the three things that I always kind of say, um, you want to mainly avoid is like salt, sugar, and honey up until a year of age, at least, um, honey more just because of the the risk of botulism. But, um, again, like little amounts of like salt and sugar aren't going to kill your child. It's not going to kill their gut health. Um, but it's all about like that balance too. So, um, in terms of, you know, seasoning though, like I encourage parents, like when they're like, let's say sauteing, um, or, or steaming pears or apples for their kids, put cinnamon on it. Right. Or if you're making like mashed potatoes, you can put like onion powder and garlic powder in that. Um, so starting from like a young age and not making separate meals, I think is like what you need to do. Right. So that as your kids get older and they get more independent in their ability to make food choices and see the options. And they're able to pick those options that what they're presented is what you guys are eating as a family. Right. And that doesn't mean that you can't, um, like if you know your child's preferences, that doesn't mean not to make their preferences, but the idea is that, um, you know, we want to, um, you know, show our kids that what they are going to be presented with for mealtime is what mom and dad or, or mom and partner like eat for meals as well. Um, so I think that that's really important, um, just from like, like starting from a young age. Uh, and then, you know, kids are going to go through periods of time where they may eat less or they may eat more and that's fine. Um, the, the one thing I say with parents, when it comes to like picky eating or different amounts of foods that kids start to eat is like, that is normal. And just if they don't eat, you know, their veggies for a week, again, that is okay. Um, because you don't want to impact their relationship with food long-term. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, not having that pressure around mealtime or creating that stressful mealtime, because that can lead to different complications later in life for kids. Um, I was at a family member's, um, the other day and there was like an older Indian, like aunt there who like, I literally had a plate of food and she was like, eat, 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 like go get food. I was like, I have food right here, but it's (laughs) like the traditional, um, a lot of like, depending on where you're brought up, a lot of different cultures, it's like that pressure to like eat, eat, eat. And that's the way like families and caregivers, like, like support their kids or show love. Right. So now 
that can lead, that actually can lead to complications later in life um, because of that pressure or that force around like eating, 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 right? But letting your kid choose what they want to eat from the items presented and how much they want to eat is really important. Um, I was always raised and told like, take what you can finish. Um, so like you can always go back for more kind of thing. So that doesn't mean, you know, go tell your kid, take everything and then like leave your plate full and food goes to waste, but take a little bit. There's always more to come back for. And if you want more, you can get it. But if not, at least like, you know, you're not wasting food as well. Um, cause obviously, you know, you have to consider food waste and the privileges that a lot of like families do have with like being able to financially support the idea of like kids not finishing everything on a plate. Right. Um, so that's like a privilege I always lived with, but not everyone has that privilege too. So I think that's definitely something to consider. Um, I know I kind of went rambling on about that, but I think it really does come back to this, this concept of the division of responsibility. So parents or caregivers choose what and when food is, um, presented and then child or the eaters choose from the options given what they want to eat and how much that's um that's a it's a it's a it's a good way to think about it um you know I was always of the mentality that like we're gonna eat what I've cooked and like of the choices you know you don't have to eat all of it but you know we would present her with all kinds of options so that she would in my mind, I was like, well, this should hopefully increase her like um, enjoyability. No, I don't know if it's enjoyability, but I wanted her to have a wider range of foods that she's been introduced to so that I'm not limited to like just broccoli or, you know, so we, we gave her lots and lots of options. And like, thankfully, she isn't too much of a fussy eater except for as you mentioned they go through these like phases like today I'm like smashing the broccoli like I love this and like the next day it's like oh I don't like broccoli and I was like but you just ate like a whole bunch the other day right so um it's good that you mentioned that because I'd be like but you just ate a whole bunch I don't get it but yeah they they just not for like you said, you know, that doesn't mean that you're not going to like give the options that your daughter enjoys, right. Or your children enjoy, but having that variety is our responsibility as parents to present. Um, and I think it's also a fun opportunity for even parents who may be pickier or have limited selection to actually explore new foods themselves. Like the like I grew up literally only liking chicken fingers and fries and plain pasta with butter but now I literally love everything and that's because like I was still encouraged to explore new foods my parents kept on presenting those foods to me they didn't pressure me to eat those foods so maybe at dinner there was pasta cheese and broccoli presented and I chose pasta and butter, right? And then eventually I kept on seeing that broccoli there and I ate that broccoli, right? So um, just continuing to present those foods, I think is really all you can do as a caregiver um, to help with that like fussy, picky eating. Okay, well that, that answered my next question, which was about fussy eating. And so that's that's a great option. If you're cooking for the family and you're gonna eat it anyways, like 
If she doesn't eat the broccoli, I'll eat the broccoli. And if I don't eat it right now, it'll go for my lunch tomorrow. Right. So it doesn't get wasted, but it's, it's still, she's being presented with food options. Yeah. And like the buffet style meals, if possible, again, this is me kind of like saying this with a privilege of the options available. Right. But if possible, you know, having that buffet style where, you know, children get to choose even as young as like two years old, like they can start saying things or pointing to things or whatever. Right. And being able to say like, I want this, or I want broccoli, or I want peppers or, you know, whatever. Um, and having them involved in that process, whether it's like helping with prepping or helping, um, uh, put the plates on the table or helping bring the food to the table, having them being involved also is a good way to help, you know, get over that hump of like picky eating or food fears. Um, cause you know, I think anyone, like when they see it being cooked or they're involved in it being cooked, it makes you enjoy it that much more. Right. So it's the same thing for kids as well. Um, and then too, like with that, you know, like parents, um, eating those foods or caregivers eating those foods and seeing like the child seeing that you're eating those foods, I think makes them feel safe as well with those foods too. Um, so that's something I always encourage, like if possible, like have family meals together. Um, I think it's hard with like nowadays, like, you know, some people work from home, some people are going to office, some parents having to like stay home while the other parent goes to work. Like, but you know, even if it's a couple days a week, just saying, you know, these are the days that we have meals as a family, because it's great to see, um, like, it's great for kids to see their caregivers or parents, like eating the same foods they are. That's a really good point around safety, right? Uh, because it's not a cognitive process. Like what I mean to say is like, we don't think about it, but that those are cues for our nervous system. Like this is not poison. They're eating it. They're fine. Okay. I can eat it too. So, uh, that's a really interesting, cause I think it's like an evolutionary built in unconscious thing. Like we want to make sure our food's not poison. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we were talking a little bit about, and I'm just going to touch maybe on it a little bit briefly, but, uh, maintaining healthy relationships with food. Um, any sort of tips in terms of like in postpartum, like how to, how to navigate that a little bit? Yeah. So I think that, um, I guess the first thing I'll kind of start with in terms of that, or really like anyone is, you know, why, what is the reasoning behind like you wanting to do anything? Um, so, you know, diet culture nowadays is everywhere, whether it's on social media or even just like the way our parents talk about food or what's on TV or the commercials that we see or the actors in movies and how, you know, the skinny person is perceived as like the, you know, one that finds love in the end or whatever. Right. Um, it's everywhere. So, um, you know, it's really easy to get like suffocated in what diet culture is kind of like perceiving as the ideal. Um, and I think being able to like remove yourself for that, from that and change your narrative around like your relationship with food and being able to enjoy food without having guilt, um, 
and accepting your body, I think is something that is, um, really hard nowadays. And especially going through having a child and your body changing over nine months and growing and transforming, I think is something that makes it a lot harder for a lot of women too. Um, so I think just, again, like kind of just starting with those basics of like adequacy, having that balance, getting that variety, like, you know, finding that joy in eating foods that you love, but also like making sure that you're having a variety of those foods. There's not one food or one special food that's going to make you healthy or make you lose weight or make you, um, you know, be able to say, Oh, I'm, you know, perfect or whatever. Right. It's all about like that variety and having that good relationship with food. And I always say the best diet for you is the one that you can sustain and the one that you enjoy. Um, and that's where like working, um, with someone like myself can be really helpful because sometimes it takes us discovering, you know, what that all means and going through a lot of like, you know, steps and stages to get there, um, and having someone prompt you with different questions to help you uncover, um, you know, how to actually maintain that good relationship with food. And that's just, it is that inner exploration. And then, you know, sometimes we need somebody to ask us the questions to make us think for us to have an aha moment. Yeah. Uh, cause it's kind of hard to have a conversation with yourself and get into self-questioning. So um, that's where working with somebody can come in really helpful. And speaking of working with somebody, tell us about your practice. Um, You know, I think you mentioned one-on-one. You also mentioned you have a group program coming out. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, myself and the fellow dietitian on my team, Annika, Um, are launching a group program called the intuitive living method. Um, So it is a six week group program um, where we walk you through, um, you know, examining your relationship with food, not just what you're eating, but how you're eating, um, setting boundaries for yourself and whether it's, you know, with your partner or your family members that maybe are perpetuating that diet culture onto you and having those conversations that are really important um, to help, you know, guide us in, in our relationship with food in this new journey. Um, and then kind of the last two weeks of the group program is where we actually even touch on movement and diet, um, and, you know, those nutrition building blocks. So up until then, it's really exploring what is our relationship with food, what diet culture, um, and ditching that diet mentality. And, and like you said, you know, those questions and those prompts to help us uncover that about ourselves. Um, so that's kind of like our group program. It starts October 13th um, and it runs weekly on Wednesday nights at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. All the sessions are also recorded. So if you can't make, make, make a couple weeks, um, then you can always, you know, watch them later. And then with that, you also get access to our exclusive Facebook community. So you get to connect with other um, members of the program. And then you also get two sessions with Annika um, where you got to kind of talk about whatever you want to. Um, and she kind of supports you one-on-one as well. So that starts October 13th. Um, if you're looking to just work with us one-on-one, um, again, 
we offer one-on-one nutrition counseling. Often our services are covered by extended health benefits as well. So people will want to look for a registered dietitian or use their health spending account um, to see us. And then you can find all our services, including the group program on my website, which is nourishingbalance.ca. And then you can find me on Instagram at nourishingbalance.women.kids. And our whole business is just nourishingbalance.dietitians on Instagram as well. Excellent. And for all of you that were like, what did she just say? And what, what is the handle? Don't worry. We'll put all the links in the show notes to make it super easy for you to find uh, the websites, the Instagram handle. So uh, be sure to check the description of the podcast because that is where those links will be located. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to meet with me and chat with me about this. Uh, I think it's really important that we create a conversation around, you know, healthy growing forward. (laughs) And so I appreciate you sharing some tips and uh, some knowledge to get us thinking about food and family uh, a little bit differently. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And we always want to thank our listeners for joining us. Of course, we release podcasts on a weekly basis. And of course, we interview really cool people. So you want to subscribe so you don't miss out. And if you know anybody who is early postpartum or maybe has some picky eaters, you know, share out the podcast. Because again, you never know when one tip turns into this big light bulb moment. So just sharing out, you don't know who you're helping, but could be making a massive uh, transformation for somebody. So be sure to share out today's episode and we'll connect with everybody the next week on the podcast. Bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for hanging out. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we have recently released a free mini training called How to Work with Labor Pain to Have a Positive Birth Experience. And in this mini training, I take you through what pain is, how labor pain is different than like an acute ankle sprain type of pain. I talk about the three different ways that you can work with pain And then at the end, I actually teach three different ways that you can work with labor pain to have a more positive birth experience. If you would like to access this free mini training, you can go to courses.ecophysio.com forward slash mini training, or you can look in the description of today's podcast episode At the end of the description, a link will be there for you to get the free mini training. Hope to connect with you there. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.